we had a joke in college about, you know, none of my friends had ever had jobs. And so what do they say when they go to a job interview or what do they put on a resume? You say, oh, I, I played baseball. But no, in reality, you uh, played on a diverse team. Your coach was the CEO. Your assistant coaches were the middle managers. And you were an employee, a shareholder, a stakeholder, whatever it is. And you combine your collective diversities uh, to, to work towards a goal. And you had your specialization. The next guy had his. The next guy had his. And that's those are the things you take away. The, the feeling that you get, it's, it's unlike any other when you're, when you're competing, when you're in the arena, as they say, um, no matter at what level. Um, but also, I mean, just the lessons that you learn from baseball and from sports in general that, that teach you about the person you want to be and how you want to uh, live your life. Welcome to another episode of the 4K Podcast. My name is Georgie. I'm Ross. And you're listening to a very interesting edition of the podcast. We have not recorded an episode in about, I mean, since the World Series and uh, we took our time off. We wanted to take a little break. Ross is back in Macedonia for a little bit and we're finally recording together. <laughs> And moving forward, we have decided that while there's no baseball, we'll just get on uh, with uh, some people that we know, people that maybe even we don't know, but we'll talk with them about their story. We'll talk about their uh, how their story connects with baseball and, and just we'll talk baseball with them. So we'll try to be regular with it. Uh, hopefully the episodes will come out every other Tuesday, I think. Uh, we'll see how the schedule will work out. But yeah, for this first episode back, I have a pleasure to introduce a very dear friend of mine, uh, someone who uh, helped me grow the love of baseball in my life and, and taught me a lot, a uh, bunch of different things, including baseball. And yeah, I'll just let him introduce himself, uh, Kyle Butcher. Uh, who is joining us right now all the way from Florida. How are you, Kyle? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Kyle Butcher. As Georgie mentioned, I'm kind of a baseball lifer. Our paths crossed when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Macedonia. Uh, and really, uh, baseball encapsulates my, my entire life. I started playing organized baseball when I was two. I played in junior college, played Division II after. Uh, and then I scouted for uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays after that. And um, and then I joined the Peace Corps and worked in sports and baseball again. And here I am back home working for Major League Baseball. So thank you guys for having me. And I'm uh, excited to, to chat with you. Yeah, we, we love to have you. I remember we were talking a little before the season started. And, you know, we were just catching up and stuff. And you told me that. Uh, you're going to have the chance to watch some of the games uh, in person. Uh, and I think uh, that's, you know, that's just something I'm really jealous of uh, just because, you know, it's just amazing how, uh, you know, with everything happening in the world, we still got the chance to have baseball this year. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to be the kind of like the main point of the discussion. But before we go into that, 
I would, you know, ask you a very simple question. When was the, the time that you knew that you were going to stick with this sport? Uh, or like sports in general, but like when was that time we were like, okay, this is this is it, this is it for me, this is my path. Sure. So as I mentioned, I started playing organized baseball when I was two. Um, my parents didn't have a baseball background. It was really my grandfather. Uh, so when my parents would go to work, uh, he would take me in the backyard and and we'd do some basic drills. Um, and then I just I specialized very early on, and I never played another sport. Um, as I look back, I think that was to my detriment. I think playing another sport would have helped, helped me athletically, helped me develop um, physically, but also to get tougher and learn um, learn more physical aspects of a different sport. Um, yeah, I specialized in baseball. Uh, I played high school, junior college, in college, and then it's just, it's just been a, a huge part of my life, not only um, learning how to play the game physically, but also the lessons that you learn from baseball and really playing any other sport uh, as much as I played baseball. You learn, learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what it's like to work for a team, uh, to, excuse me, to play for a team. Um, and then, you know, after school, once I started, once I started working for organizations and for businesses, you learn that playing baseball is a lot like working for a company and you, you understand how to, um, you understand interpersonal relationships uh, relationships in general. And it's just baseball has been extremely valuable and it's, it's uh, been something that's stuck with me my whole life and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. We, we need people like you in baseball. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could just move along and just hear your thoughts on this past season uh first i just talk in general like as you as a fan how how was it for you and uh i don't know like i don't think we've ever talked about this do you have a team you root for or yeah so i'm from i'm from southern california originally so i grew up a, a huge diehard dodgers fan um, but as i've grown up i've i've uh i've kind of gotten away from that of course i like to see them win um, but when I, I, I literally worked for the Blue Jays and then now I, for the past couple of years, I worked for Major League Baseball. So um, I'm not really the type to be um, boisterous about the team that I, that I root for, but it is nice to, to see the hometown team win because they, as you guys know, the Dodgers hadn't won a World Series in my lifetime. Uh, and so it was kind of nice to see, you know, my friends and family back home be able to, to celebrate, especially because you have the, uh, you know, the Giants that had been nothing short of a dynasty for the past 10 years or so. Mm, uh, so, yes. Yeah. yeah so I, I was a big Dodgers fan. Um, but as for right now, I try to keep it strictly business, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my family is from uh, actually the Northern California area. And so I grew up the opposite. I am a diehard Giants fan all the way. And so but I do want to say that uh, even though it was a really hard year <laughs> for me um, in terms of both baseball championships and basketball championships, just awful seasons for both the Warriors and the Giants, I just think that the Dodgers kind of had it coming. They were, they were coming. They had a couple chances these past couple of years, and they bet <laughs> this season was basically – that it was theirs to lose and they definitely showed that they were the better teams. So I think that the Dodgers, um, 
they should have won. I'm just going to say it. And that's hard for me to say, but I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, that, that means a lot because it was funny. Ross and I were texting and uh, the game six and we actually got on a call for that last inning. And like for me, it was funny just because I'm the type of person who, well, first of all, the Red Sox, they, they were just terrible. So I didn't have anyone to root for. And I like the story of the Dodgers, even though, you know, they were the big favorites. You know, I like to see Kershaw win. And, and that was, you know, one of the things. And again, Mookie bats and everything. So I was going for the Dodgers, but like get, being on that call with Ross while he was watching the, the last inning of that game six, it kind of made me like feel a little bit guilty for, for cheering for the Dodgers to see how, how upset he was at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, Ross. It's just like, it was there to lose. They, they figured it out. I think Mookie was a, a great addition for them, uh, obviously, uh, sadly. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fun season and, and it was just like something that, I really like having on, uh, especially with everything going on, which kind of brings me is like, you say you work for the MLB. So what does that mean exactly for those that don't know you? Sure. So um, I work in data operations and that means two things. We operate all the tracking systems uh, in the park during the games. So in, in most stadiums, we're in the batter's eye and center field call it the dungeon because it's just really dark and uh, we set up our own internet connections and and we're back there in the dark and we track every time the ball is thrown every time a player makes a move it's the things when they when they when MLB puts the graphics on screen of this player ran 17 miles an hour to his left and he had a 17 percent chance of making the catch um, that's all from from our system that we um, that we help operate and then the second aspect of that is um, video room monitoring. Uh, as you guys know, the, the Astros and the Red Sox were um, stealing signs in different ways by using technology. And so now Major League Baseball has placed um, one person in each clubhouse per game uh, to essentially be a rules monitor, um, but to make sure that uh, there's a, a level playing field and that the teams aren't using any kind of technology uh, in order to gain an advantage or to uh, relay signs or, or anything like that. So they're both um, very interesting programs, but they've provided me with a, a new perspective that, that I didn't have. It's that being in the clubhouse um, and in the tunnel during games is very interesting. You learn a lot about uh, the, the teams, the individual players, how they, how they carry themselves. And it's just a, a very interesting opportunity. I look forward to hopefully doing it again uh, this coming year. Yeah. So you were, they, did you get to watch some of the games in person live? Yeah, so I did, and it, it reminded me of uh, playing travel ball in high school. We played for this, this big organization, and we would always play in Division One or minor league or even major league stadiums, and it's just us and our, our parents. And so, like, you're playing on the field. There's... I mean, the actions all on the field, you hear if somebody, I don't know, if somebody spits 50 feet away, you hear it, um, you know, the parents cheer, you hear a, a clap uh, every now and then. That's really it. And that's what it reminded me of just being in high school again and, and doing like inner squads and uh, things like that, where you can hear, you, you cheer for your own team and, and that echoes throughout the ballpark. It's not the fans uh, in the stands. So 
very interesting uh, vantage point. Yeah, yeah. Um, this past summer, I had the opportunity to play some travel ball in California myself, and it was exactly like that, where it just was no one there. And and I feel like sometimes as a competitor, that can push you, where it's like the expectations of the crowd kind of goes away. But at the same time, I know a lot of players take a lot of pride in getting the crowd hyped and just basically giving a show for the fans. And so I could see both uh, sides of that. And you mentioned that you work in the analytics department, which is uh, a really growing side of baseball, especially like with the, the fast cast and the, sorry, stat cast, excuse stat me. Cast. Stat cast and the rap soto and the blast motion sensors and things like that, where it just, these things are becoming more readily available to both regular players and to professional teams as well. Um, what do you think that the future of analytics is going to look like in baseball soon? What are some of the technologies that may not have reached the markets yet? Or what do you think basically the, how, what technologies do you see being developed later on in the future? Yeah, no, I think the future is analytics. Um, I don't mean to make, keep that short, but um, you know, we're seeing things now where a pitcher will throw a pitch and then he'll go in the tunnel and see, and he'll be able to analyze where he puts his, his middle finger when he throws a slider and how many, um, what his, his spin rate is based on the, the adjustments they make. So the amount of data that I get to see every day in the clubhouse that these teams use is, is very interesting. You have your, your video coordinator who's operating the replay system. They have a couple of uh, major league scouts or data analysts that are in the video room the whole time. And they record every single pitch after the players, uh, after an at-bat, the players come in the tunnel, watch their at-bat. They try to make adjustments based on that. So it's very interesting to see not only the amount of data, but the way the players are preparing now. It's not, I'm going to, uh, you know, finish my bat, go into the, into the um, you know, sit in the, what's the name, the dugout, excuse me, sit in the dugout and, I don't know, stare at the stars for another 10 minutes and then go back out and field. They're really, they're moving a lot more. They're getting a lot more information. It's really interesting to see uh, what separates the men from the boys, the players that are able to make adjustments during the game. It's not game to game. It's not week to week. It's not homestand to homestand. It's these players that are making it, making um, changes from inning to inning, from a bat to a bat. Yeah, so I was, uh, throughout the season, I mean, J.D. Martinez had a terrible just year overall uh, as part of the Red Sox. And I remember him saying at one point uh, how the inability to go and watch his at bat because of what you mentioned previously, because of the cheating scandal and everything that wasn't allowed this year so do you think that that like kind of uh made it for some players who are used to this who have grown up playing baseball that way where it's like okay they are bad they done they're done they go inside of the uh you know in their clubhouse they watch and then they made the adjustment do you think that that was part of the reason why you know jd had a terrible like not as good of a season as some other players who are used to that for you know, accustomed to doing that while in game using video. Uh, do you think that had also an effect? And like, as someone who who played the game, how how great of an effect that could be for a hitter? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you an example. So not this, not 2020, but in 2019, um, I was 
working in the Dodgers clubhouse and the three players that would always come into the clubhouse after their at-bats were Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, and Jock Peterson. And now this year, when they're not able to go into the video room, we see their stats decline significantly, right? Uh, Max Muncy didn't even hit 200. Peterson was under 200. Bellinger did not have a, a year that were the year that we're accustomed to. And so it was very interesting to see that there, it, that it does make a difference because the players have grown accustomed to going and being able to make the adjustments and really have free reign over where they go. And then um, due to the pandemic, you know, they're trying to keep them in the dugout, not a whole lot of moving, not a whole lot of interaction between players and staff. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. Although I think they were able to use the, um, the Microsoft like iPads, tablets, um, but I'm not sure that those upload after every at-bat. I think those are more for advanced scouting where it's game to game. So if, uh, if we have a game tonight against, X, it's against pitcher X, we can watch all of his pitches before, but during the game, I don't think it helps him out much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I had not heard that, like that made that big of adjustment because I personally don't do that as much. Uh, and, but I can see how when you're that good, uh, just a small adjustment of raise your hands a bit higher can make a big difference to your hitting style. That I mean, basically could be the difference between hitting a home run and hitting a ground ball. And so, that's really interesting. Um, I've, I've noticed that one of the premier teams, at least in terms of analytics, uh, these past couple of years has, has been the Rays, just the way that they've treated their analytics department. Uh, they've been on the forefront and, but also they've had a lot of analytical struggles and uh, basically changes with specifically in 2019 when Tyler Glasnow, basically he was tipping pitches just by the placement of his hands. And then this year, Kevin Cash making uh, a change that a lot of people didn't agree with that some would say cost the the raise the world series some would say uh it was it was the pitcher no one it's probably a combination of both but how do you think the analytical side of it affects the I, mean, I know it affects a lot of the decisions but how do you feel like the there has to be a balance between a gut feeling and the analytics do you think that it needs to be more heavily focused on the analytics. Do you feel like it's still the old traditional baseball where, oh, I know this guy, he's going to be able to bring him in and finish the game. Where do you think that balance lies? Yeah, so I think that the analytics, at least in part, try to, they take the human element out of the game. So we see tipping pitches, which is kind of just like a, a mental lapse out there. It's not something that, the glass now would do normally. It's just, uh, you know what, today I was doing this for whatever reason. Um, so, it, I mean, it's not a lack of preparation or anything like that. And then um, as far as just like pitching changes and things like that, those are human errors that we see based on the analytics and the data that they saw. So I think when, with all sports really going analytics first, um, it, it really, it polarizes the decisions that are made, especially when they go wrong. Um, but it's, I mean, it's very interesting. It's just the way that all sports and really all businesses and companies are, are moving. And most of the time it works uh, and sometimes it doesn't, but I mean, the, the players that we're seeing in the in major league baseball and NFL in uh, the NBA, I mean, these guys are as close to machines as it gets. And so when they make a mistake, we all, we wonder, oh man, that was a really dumb mistake. Why do you do that? But we don't mention 
the other 161 games and eight innings that this guy played um, very well, close to flawlessly. So it's it's very interesting uh, to, to see as a fan, but also to understand both perspectives where you have the, the data analytics, which um, are on the forefront uh, of their decision-making, but also the human errors that, that happen all the time, whether we see them or we don't. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying uh, in the last podcast episode that basically baseball has become not about who can make the most wins or it's basically who can make the least amount of mistakes is how it's coming down to where these people, I mean, if you throw a slider, like you're saying, if you grip it wrong this one time and it just slips, it's, it's out of the ballpark. It's a home run. They just have it nailed down to the head. So I definitely see how there has to be a, like a balance, like you're saying, and that these guys are as close as perfect as you can get. Yeah, that's, I mean, the players are so good too. It, it doesn't, you know, if you are if you make an adjustment about your, whatever the example is, your slider, and you, you hang one and then the guy hits it 500 feet for a home run, you understand that that's a human mistake that you made, not necessarily based on analytics. And something I forgot to mention is that when the hitters go into the into the club into the clubhouse in the video room to look at their bats what they're also looking for is the pitcher's tendencies and see if those have changed so if i when i faced this pitcher last time he threw me this 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 and this in a one and two count he threw them he, he threw me this um and so if they change their sequence or the, their tendencies that's something that also that the hitters are are trying to um, to figure out and yeah. the starting pitchers excuse me the starting pitchers only do that before the game. During the game, the starting pitcher stays in the dugout until he's done pitching, um, whereas the hitters will analyze that uh, during the game after every single at-bat. So it's interesting dynamic that yeah, the data creates. Yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, like, cause, I mean, you say you're part of the crew that, you know, tracks all the graphics and all the analytics in real time. There's like, because of you and your uh, colleagues, we get get it right away. So it's like kind of an interesting question. Is like, what's the weirdest graphic you like? Uh, just a, a stat or something uh, that got you? Was like, oh wow, this is interesting. Uh, that you you had an experience like that. Have you had an experience like that at uh, at the game? But it's this year or the year before that? Yeah, honestly, at this point, I've seen so many things. Uh, it, it's very difficult to surprise me. I think what I find interesting is that in being removed from baseball for give or take four years, um, just the amount of, not so much the data, but as you're mentioning the graphics, like the, the launch angle and the spin rate and being able to understand both sides and seeing how that affects the game and each player and the outcomes of each event. And so that it's interesting to see, you know what, if, if I had this in my last job, or if I understood this when I was playing, um, would things have changed? Would have made things more interesting? So that's what what um, I enjoy more seeing, um, because I I don't mean to be a bore, but I really don't get surprised. <laughs> and I'm totally not surprised by your answer in this question. So. Uh, yeah, and like while we're in where we are still on this topic, I would ask you like, what's a story that you know that you have from a dugout this year that 
you you know you find it funny or interesting or like something related to a player or a manager a team or something where uh you know the story to uh, remember from this year for you yeah so i i won't um i can't mention specific players or teams but it's it's very interesting to see the clubhouse dynamics um, because we, when we think of professional athletes i would say we think of basketball players or football players first where they're physically imposing in their they're in shape and then when you see baseball players it can be totally totally different um, but also you know baseball games are long and there's a lot of downtime so you see traffic in and out of the clubhouse and you know some some guys uh you know if if they don't feel like being there to an extent they'll take a shower get dressed and have the clubhouse manager call them a car and they'll go to dinner uh, if some guys have if it's a long game and some players have already played and been taken out uh they they may very well crack open a beer and start drinking in the clubhouse. Um, so it's it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, the clubhouse staff is something that I think is uh, very interesting to see. These guys are really jacks of all trades. So they not only coordinate meals, but they do laundry. Every time a player comes in and takes their cleats off, they're right there cleaning, <laughs> cleaning their cleats and then they give them right back to them. Um, they call car services. So if the player doesn't want to take the bus back to the hotel, they call them a, a car service and they can leave whenever they want. Um, I will tell you one story that was that was publicized. So in 2019, the Marlins were playing against the Braves. It was in Miami and the Marlins were down four going into the bottom of the eighth. They tied it in the ninth um, and then won it in the 10th. And Sean Newcomb on the Braves gave a, it was like a sack fly. And then he came off and he, he stormed off the mound and he was pretty mad. And he went in the tunnel and kicked a trash can. That trash can hit a fire extinguisher and the fire extinguisher exploded. And so the fire extinguisher exhaust went all through the tunnel, all through the clubhouse, all through the where the team meal was, everywhere. And so everything from floor to ceiling was, was uh, stained white. And so I wasn't in the clubhouse that night. It was one of my colleagues and he said he couldn't see anything. He had to crawl out on, on hands and knees to get out of the clubhouse. And not to mention, this was a Saturday night game and they had to be back in the morning for Sunday. So the clubhouse staff had to pull an all-nighter. The players had to stay outside for another two hours. They looked like little leaguers just sitting there in their uniforms on the ground. Um, and it was, it was very, I mean, I will tell you, that's the things that, that's something that surprised me to see um, not only that a, a major leaguer would act out like that, because um, I've seen it in many ways, but not like that, um, but also just to see the amount of chaos that it created and the, the amount of work that other people had to do because of because um, of players' um, anger was very interesting. So that's that's all online. It was a very interesting night, that's for sure. No, that's that's pretty funny. I mean, that that's something that could happen in a sluggers game or something yeah, for right. sure. <laughs> yeah, that, those are the type of things where it's like an accident just happen all the time in the little league, where someone forgets their baseball pants and now they play in their their black shorts that they brought, or someone doesn't have a baseball bat so they uses their cousin's bat who's no longer sort of certified by BB Core or whatever like that. Where these type of accidents happen all the time in youth baseball, but at the pro level, we we just find it even more funny because it's a little bit more relatable. And you think that these guys are way up high and they're just people like us. Yeah, and I will say it's also interesting to see, um, you know, when I'm in the clubhouse, 
some of these these players I played with or against in high school. There, you know, there's a handful of of player. One guy I went to high school with. Well, you know, a, a handful of them were on my travel ball team um, for our travel ball organization. I think we have one player on every single team. So it's really interesting seeing these guys that um, that I went to school with or played with uh, in travel ball or against, and I made to the major leagues. Uh, it's it's just it's very interesting to see. It's really cool to see that. Um, you know, there was a time where we were uh, teammates. Very cool to see. Yeah, I remember like one of the most interesting things I learned this year, uh, among others, was that Giolito, was it Giolito Bieber? Yeah. And no, I don't think it was Bieber, but Giolito. Giolito Maxfried. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the Flaherty. And Jack Flaherty play on the same uh, high school team in their senior year. And just like crazy, I mean, first of all, they're like that team must have been stacked because like you have three top, I don't know, 10, Aces. 15 uh, starting pitchers in the league right now. But like, just like, like you said, like how connected it is in a way that, you know, you know, you said like at least one guy that was on your travel team in every team in the league. And that's just interesting think it that way i mean granted for me it's kind of like far away because like i haven't had that experience like and people that are listening that are not from the states it's just like it's not something they can relate to but definitely it's just a country with like i don't know 320 plus uh uh hundred millions right that's of what population i just oh, say yeah. of that big of a nation you would still have like the best uh players and then all of them are somewhat connected uh, so that's that's really interesting to to see and, and hear about it's a small world uh i mean in in every business you work in or um especially in every sports uh, in the sports industry everyone knows everyone and that goes from if you work for the team or if you play for the team it's it's very interesting to see how many uh you know how many times you've cross paths with uh, some of these players that are now superstars. And back when you were 14, they would forget their lunch on the way to the game. So, you know, it's, it's very, it's very cool to see uh, my former friends uh, playing in the major leagues. Nice. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because you and I talked before the, like way before the season started, I had you on the other podcast, we talked about the season a little bit and everything. And we were talking about the new rules that uh, MLB introduced this year. Uh, some temporary, some might stay. But like, how do you think, and you mentioned earlier how, you know, baseball is generally long in game. It can get boring and everything. So, like, how do you think some of the new rules, whether that's runner at second or only, you know, every, uh, every relief pitcher has to face three batters, or finished inning and like some some other rules that were uh, put in place to kind of make it faster, make it more you know energetic. How do you think that uh, that I mean, how do you think the result of it, uh, or what is the result of it uh, after this uh, shortened season? I think it's great, and they need to continue implementing things to speed the game up. Um, coming from a junior college and Division two relief pitcher, I I know what it's like to sit through a, a long and frustrating game um, and not to get to play in it. And so anything they can continue to do to speed the game up would be awesome. Um, I think the next thing they can do is get rid of 
arguing with the umpire and players and coaches going out on the field to argue with umpires. I, I mean, it, there's no like logical reason why you would argue other than, you know, it's a, it's an ego trip or, or something, or just to, I don't know, to get your frustrations out um, because umpires aren't going to change their mind. Uh, and you can't, baseball doesn't have a system where the call would be overturned like that. Um, and so I really, really can't, it's like a pet peeve. I can't stand when players argue or when managers go out on the field and just create a huge scene. Um, and so that's what I would like to see next, especially with the pandemic. Um, you know, we see coaches going out there, the, their mask only doesn't go up over their nose. I mean, it just makes everybody look bad. And then they go out there and, you know, they're, it's a quiet stadium. So they get caught on a hot mic saying all these ridiculous things. And it's just, it's, it doesn't, I don't know, people don't watch baseball for that. Um, and then to your point, I think uh, I would do away with the seven inning double headers. Um, I don't know anybody that really likes double headers, um, but anything they can do to speed it up. I like the extra innings runner on second. Um, I mean, any, it's hard to put a, a clock on baseball, but um, in between innings is very hard to do because you have, now you have players running to and from the clubhouse, uh, looking at video, um, maybe in between pitches, there's something you can work on doing. Uh, but I really liked what baseball did, Major League Baseball did this year to speed it up. And they, they got to keep it up because once we get um, under normal circumstances and there are fans in the stands, it will, there'll be a visible difference once things are sped up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, uh, for some of the rules, I would say I agree 100%. The only one that's kind of like meh for me is the runner on second base. That bothers me as a former pitcher. It's like, I didn't even have anything to do with that guy. Why is he there? But I get, I get that the game, like, can't go into 18 innings anymore. That's just not healthy for the players. It's not fun for the fans. It's just not the right way for baseball, so... Um, on that note, I just was wondering, like, in your opinion, do you think that baseball as a sport is progressing or regressing? Or is it basically, is it going forward or is it something in the past? Where do you think that the next steps for baseball is going? Because earlier on in like the early 1900s, baseball was the only thing. And now we look at 2020 and we have the old school versus new school. We have all of these, these debates and these like like almost undertones to the baseball that we have now where you don't experience that as much in the NBA or in the NFL. So do you think that baseball is moving forward? Cause I know that analytics is a huge part where these there's new stats and that's really, really great for baseball where it's getting more fun. It's helping players, but at the same time, where do you think that baseball is going to go in the future? I think time will tell. I think the pandemic has really changed things. Um, not only do fans have to reprioritize their lives and how they spend their money, um, but we're also seeing how successful the NBA bubble was. The MLB playoffs were, I'd say, successful in the season um, in total in general. But I think time will tell what are people going to do when the, you know, the pandemic has subsided and people can go back to ballparks. Or do people have the money? to do 50,000 people in LA have the money to spend uh, at, at Dodger Stadium for, for their uh, you know, family of four or six. Um, so I think 
that question is, I don't mean to punt here, but that's one for uh, for next year and the year after that. What are the TV ratings going to be like? Um, what's attendance going to be like? Because I know the players obviously want fans uh, in the stands and the best experience for fans is to be at the park. And other than that, it's really hard to connect, even though we have social media and you know live video and things like that. So uh, time will tell, 2021 and 2022 will be very interesting, um, not only to, to watch in real time, but also as as you, you were alluding to, as we project the next five, 10, 20 years uh, for baseball and really for all professional sports, what the reality is gonna look like. Yeah, and with that, I was gonna ask you, cause like a big part of the, especially at the beginning later on, you know, it kind of stopped being as important, but like a huge uh, part was uh, the entire, I think about racial uh, injustice and like Black Lives Matter. And like, for me as someone who does support that and see it as a huge problem and not just in the US, but in the world in general, like in Macedonia as well, uh, I was in like, have it in mind that, you know, the MLB is, more conservatively or has been more conservatively uh, over the years so it's like where like the people that watch it are not necessarily going to agree right away with something like that but I gotta say that I was gonna on one side surprised but on the other side really happy to see a lot of teams uh, doing uh, some sort of uh, at least a mention of it uh, if not even more so like how would you describe the entire thing and how they how the MLB handled it, how the players did, how the teams did, especially because I mean the beginning of the season was right after the entire you know the, all the protests and and that George Floyd video and everything. So if you can uh, give us a little uh, thoughts on on this topic. Yeah, I think Major League Baseball did as well as they could. Um, as you mentioned, baseball is the sport and the fans and the players specifically are extremely conservative, uh, at least before, you know, 2020, 2019, um, extremely conservative. Um, I know we save our politics in America chats for the other podcasts, um, but I think baseball did a, a pretty good job. I, it didn't get as much publicity as NFL um, or the NBA, uh, partially because the vast majority of Major League Baseball players are white. Um, what I would have liked to see is the Dominican um, and South American players of African descent be more empowered. Um, so I would like to see that moving forward because that's, uh, I think their voices will be very, uh, could be very, uh, very powerful in explaining their life stories. Um, but baseball is a, a tough customer, you know, with the amount, with the number of players that are very, very conservative for whatever reasons. Um, you know, I think I just go back to the, I think it was the Giants where you have one player, please don't say his name, who like refused to take a knee. And it's just like some ridiculous excuse. And I mean, you come off as a, a racist and white supremacist and supremacist in my book. And so that's not what baseball needs, but with, I mean, 90% of the players being white Americans, it's very difficult to separate themselves from that um, and for the the publicity they get to be all positive, all about um, social justice. Yeah, and I was going to just add, it was just like interesting for me. It's like on the Red Sox, Jackie Brown Jr. is now, you know, the only 
you know, African-American on the team, like black. It's just like, I could send, I mean, just by the questions he was asked and all the questions he had to answer and like all his answers, like he is taught, like he, I could only imagine how tired he is to be, you know, asked not about how great of a catch he had in that, in center field at Fenway Park, but like he has to answer is like, oh, how is it to be the only black person on the team uh, with the Red Sox and everything? So it's like, it, it like it really is a problem that, you know, uh, needs to be tackled head on and not just with baseball, but like every other sport. You, like, I, I agree with you 100%. It was like, it's going to be a lot harder with baseball because all the, all the, the, the background and everything that has been happening. But, you know, I, it was good to see it at least from the teams and some of them, you know, continued all throughout the season. Some of them, it was more of like the beginning of the season and then kind of washed away, but it was, it was definitely a refreshing, uh, refreshing thing to see at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing when we, Ross, your question about what baseball is going to look like. You know, there were a lot of people that weren't very happy with with those demonstrations. So um, do those people come back and how many of those people were there? So that'll be something interesting to see um, across the spectrum for, for all sports. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you also mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, basically how, I mean, a lot of baseball players are white and how African-Americans and uh, Latinos and Hispanic players like they're, they're still there and on, oftentimes they kind of their their Latino heritage or their Hispanic heritage kind of gets put to the side as we hear about like all the American players and then we don't hear, hear much about like the Puerto Ricans and the Dominicans who are really some of the best players in in baseball right now who are some of the superstars and uh, I was just wondering what do you think about the international perspective of baseball both as like how where you see that's going to go, whether it be in Puerto Rico and the Dominican and in Venezuela and Brazil and all these other countries, but also for like uh, basically the divide that you see happening in America where lower socioeconomic players don't have the same opportunities that higher, uh, just in general, wider players who have, uh, who basically have more money, if I'm 100% honest, have these better opportunities than a lot of other uh, inner city people, whether that be white or black, that they don't have those same opportunities that uh, Americans have. And do you think that that divide is gonna increase with the analytics or do you think that the talent of, I mean, a lot of the Puerto Rican and Dominican players are still gonna stick around? Yeah, so two things. I think Major League Baseball has done a good job of trying to grow the game internationally, whether that's through supporting you know, things like Little League Baseball in Ukraine um, or with their academies throughout uh, the Dominican. I think they have some in South America and also in Asia um, where they bring in kids, I think as young as like 12 or 14. And, um, you know, it's like a it's like a mini farm system, particularly in the Dominican Republic. Um, and then international players can sign when they're 16 years old. Um, but you, you brought up an interesting point um, regarding opportunities for African-American and I guess Latinx um, baseball players in the United States. I went to junior college in East LA and I'll tell you right now, we had major leaguers on my team. Um, but the problem is the scouts that are hired in my opinion. 
Um, if, you know, if the Mexican players on my team were six feet two and white, they would have been drafted in, in the major leagues, but they're five ten and Mexican and they were overlooked. And that's infuriating as, uh, as I've experienced, um, you know, the scouting side of things and the baseball operations side. Um, and I think the problem is, is scouting 100%. It's the people that um, organizations hire, which they're slowly but surely moving away from. Um, you know, it, the, a typical scout is generally an, an old overweight white guy who has like one year of junior college and a few years of minor league baseball experience. Um, and so that was, that was really infuriating, especially in junior college. And now that we're removed is to see, uh, you know, my teammates and some of my best friends who were amazing baseball players to this day, I think they were the, the best I've ever seen. And I don't care who's in the major leagues and they all got overlooked. You know, they got, uh, they were able to walk on a division one uh, university and then, uh, and three years after one of my friends, excuse me, one of my teammates um, played at UC Irvine for three years and then got drafted in the second round. Boom. But he didn't get a look in junior college or high school because he was 5'10 and non-white. Um, one of my one of my friends uh, that I've played that we played together on the same team in junior college and um, at Lynn University out here, the division two that we played at, he got offered a scholarship to a division one. It fell through. He played uh, two years at our Division II team, All-American, All-Everything, unbelievable player, and there was no team ever uh, ever considered him. So I think that problem is is scouting. There's a lot of implicit bias, um, but also it's. I hope that baseball is moving away from from hiring uh, scouts like that. I hope they're looking for more, of course, data-driven people, but people who understand uh, the way the world works, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when we were uh, getting ready for uh, the, this conversation, we wrote a question we wanted to ask you and kind of would go along with this, but if you had any other area of like future growth for baseball, what do you think, like, what would you choose that, okay, baseball really need to focus more on that or like there's a really good potential there that baseball need to just keep on, keep on doing that specific thing. Yeah. Um, I think implementing health and fitness standards um, from, from the top down, from the major leagues to little league would be incredibly beneficial. I know when I was a kid playing little league, you showed up and you played. And then in high school, I had a whole bunch of arm injuries. I couldn't stay on the field. And that's the reality for a lot of people. Baseball when you only play baseball, it doesn't teach you how to get healthy. You're not doing a, a dynamic warm-up. You're not necessarily taught um, how to lift weights, how to run. Uh, whereas, like in soccer, in soccer or football, you're taught agility. You're taught how to run. These uh, these what we think are basic concepts, but they help you not only get healthy but stay healthy and perform in your sport. So I would really like to see Major League Baseball and, and all baseball organizations really work hard to get players um, and participants healthy and to help them stay healthy and not just walk, you know, roll up to the field, throw the baseball, and then you go home and say, oh, mom and dad, my arm hurts, I can't play anymore. So I think there's a lot of work to do on that front, um, but that's, I think that is exactly what has to be done, which will create opportunities for far more players. Yeah, I, I'd say that I, I definitely agree with that because, um, Besides just my love of baseball, I also really enjoy learning about strength and conditioning, training and aspects like that. And 
I've gone decently deep into it and just hearing about the different injuries that you hear about just the overuse. And basically when all you do is baseball, your body adapts to get better at baseball. It begins to your, your shoulder blades start sticking out. Your, your, your pelvis starts interiorly rotating and basically it changes the way your body works and body functions in the end. That's not helpful where it's like the same with the business people, where if you slunch over your computer all day like this, your body adapts to that. It just adapts to the stuff that you're continually doing. And so I agree that just the strength and conditioning side of things needs to change specifically in the youth levels where, yeah, we have limited pitch counts in little league now where, Oh, now Johnny's no longer allowed to throw 240 pitches a day, which is really, really good. But at the same time, maybe Johnny needs to have a good throwing program and maybe he needs to start learning how to flex his body in different positions and things like that, where, like you're saying, it, it's really great if you play other sports. Baseball, I love baseball and it's going to be my favorite sport probably for as long as I live, but I, I love watching the NBA and just, I love all sports where basically these, these, these sports just train you to teach your muscles in different ways that you might not be experiencing in different areas. And so I, I would agree that if it honestly, one way you could get better at play, getting at better at baseball is by playing basketball where just like the, the way that your body is going to change and adapt to that, that stress as well is honestly going to be really good for you. Yeah, it's all about teaching athleticism and health through athleticism. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned little Johnny throwing uh, have X amount of pitches, but we have to, as you're saying, create throwing programs. But throwing is not a natural motion. And so I don't care if Johnny is only allowed to throw 10 pitches per inning. If he's straining, if he's throwing the ball uphill just to get it to, to the catcher, there's no reason why he or or she in softball, who, who knows, needs to be throwing a baseball. You need to be strong enough to throw a baseball. You need to develop the strength and develop proper uh, mechanics, but also a better understanding of, of health. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I hope that uh, they were able to work on that in the future. Yeah, I agree 100%. Baseball is not a throwing motion, but it can be taught and it can be uh really helpful i mean it's really great for a baseball player when you can throw the baseball but we just need to find a way to do that in a healthy manner um i know Gergi talked about what one thing you would change i want to do the flip what is one part about baseball where you you've played baseball your entire life you love it with a passion you're working for the mlb you worked for a professional team what is one part about baseball that you want to keep and you hope never changes i'll go back to when I played, it's there's no other feeling like pitching on the mound and just you know that everybody is looking at you. And look, I I wasn't that good. I played in junior college and I was a, a good enough Division two player to get a scholarship. Um, but whether there's no one in the stands or a few thousand people, there's no other feeling like warming up in the bullpen. You're uh, you hear the glove pop and then everybody looks down down the line at you. Uh, and then you get called in the game and you go in uh, and, and I mean, there's a, just, there's a lot of metaphors for life, but just the lessons that you learn through, through playing that you gain a, a competitive edge in everything um, that you do and that, that I have done. Um, just, but just the lessons that you learn, you know, we had a joke in college about, you know, 
none of my friends had ever had jobs. And so what do they say when they go to a job interview or what do they put on a resume? You say, oh, I, I played baseball. But no, in reality, you uh, played on a diverse team. Your coach was the CEO. Your assistant coaches were the middle managers. And you were an employee, a shareholder, a stakeholder, whatever it is. And you combine your collective diversities uh, to, to work towards a goal. And you had your specialization. The next guy had his. The next guy had his. And that's those are the things you take away. The, the feeling that you get, it's, it's unlike any other when you're, when you're competing, when you're in the arena, as they say, um, no matter at what level. Um, but also, I mean, just the lessons that you learn from baseball and from sports in general that, that teach you about the person you want to be and how you want to uh, live your life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, uh, this is a great point kind of to end this uh, conversation. I, I think, yeah, I mean, part of the reason why for me as a Macedonian kid who hated baseball when I first come, came to the States, I mean, I went and watched a real professional baseball game. I hated it even more after that, but being part of that high school theme of Garrison Bulldogs and, and just being uh, one of the boys, one of them, like that togetherness, that camaraderie that we had on the team and, you know, the coaches and how they uh, treated us. It was like, this is why I love baseball. This is why I want to uh, do something about it. And, you know, that's why I came back and now I'm uh, coaching baseball in Macedonia. And uh, yeah, I think there's nothing better than that. And, you know, Yes, this is true about baseball, but I think that could be also said about every other team sport. Was like it is so important, and you know, part of the reason why I'm kind of sad for sports to be, you know, at least limited to a point where it's not as it was before. Even though you know, sports are not the most important thing in the world. Of course, there's so many other things that we need to do right now to keep everyone safe. But at the end of the day one kid needs sports as much as anything because you don't just go out and play, you know, and throw a ball or hit a ball or shoot a jump shot. But instead, you get to learn about friendship. You get to learn about life. You get to learn lessons that, you know, if that kid doesn't get to experience it on that level, it's going to be harder uh, afterwards. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the, the best things about growing up. Uh, whether that's, you know, primary school, middle school, high school, uh, whether that's, you know, travel ball team or just a regular high school team or JV uh, or whatever. I think it's really, it's really important uh, to have that as a, as a youngster. Um, and, you know, if you can play it until you're 40, man, that's, that's the dream right there. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and like I think we will settle in on this one as because we're gonna try to have some other people on on the podcast uh, after you. But like, okay, if Rob Manfred is not the commissioner anymore, and the new commissioner is Kyle Butcher, what's the first thing you're gonna do as soon as you take that office? I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier: is no more no more arguing on the field, and no more confrontations, whether it's player to player or manager to uh, umpire, player to umpire, just we don't need any more of that it doesn't look good. And it 
literally does not make sense when you break down the things that these people say. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us and uh, thank you for uh, yeah, the great conversation. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. I hope we, uh, you had fun uh, listening to us, to all the people that have, you know, uh, lasted this long into the episode. Um, Kyle, I hope you stay safe, my friend. I hope that uh, life treats you well back in Florida and that soon you'll be back in Macedonia and, and have some, play some baseball with the Slayers. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are doing awesome. I, I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy as well. All right.